The second curse is, is this idea that because I am expecting myself to be perfect, I'm going to also expect you to do things perfectly. That's the second part of it. Whatever I do to myself, I do to you. It's the golden rule is not the golden rule. It's we don't treat other people like we'd like to be treated. We treat other people like we treat ourselves. That's the truth. It starts right here. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. Welcome to our podcast, uh, Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge, and uh, with me is my uh, partner in crime and good good friend, uh, Dr. Alan Berger. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually today's like a part two, I think, of a, of, of the last podcast we did on beginning about perfectionism. So, well, so I, I, say, I say, love- say something perfect, Alan. Well, I, yeah, right. Um, that, that is the curse, man. Uh, listen, what I can say about this is what we talked about last time. I mean, I could identify so much with that. Um, when I did start to dig into Dr. Karen Horney's material when I was in graduate school, I, I was fortunate enough to have a professor, Dr. Uh, John Batista, and uh, his claim to fame is he took over um, Scott Peck's practice in Connecticut. Wow. Wow. I know, that's a big wow because, you you know, Scott Peck really uh, was a brilliant psychiatrist and John <laughs> is also. And John really, really was a big fan of Dr. Karen Horneyes. And, and I see why. I mean, I, like I said, I think she's an unheralded genius in terms of psychology. But when I read her stuff, I could identify so much with being driven to actualize a concept of who I should be. And I just remember that. I remember deciding consciously sometimes, and now I look back and see all of the unconscious compromises I made in terms of that certain parts of me were okay, certain parts weren't. You know, you mentioned the word polarized. Mm-hmm. My God, was I polarized inside myself. And did that polarize me with other people? Of course it did. Um, you know, um, so I, I wanted to just share that. I mean, I, I identified with this stuff so much yeah. when I was growing up. And, 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 and as I look back at some of the feedback and what always caused trouble was how fixed my position was. And I, I think it's worth saying something that, to what you were saying last time is all of us have a desire to master things. That's not neurotic in itself. Hmm, I want to figure something out. I want to be good at it. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. The idea that I want people to love me. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. The idea that I want freedom and I don't want to make things all important all the time. Nothing's wrong with that either. 
So all of those things, when they're balanced in our personalities, are really wonderful dimensions of being a fully functioning human being. We have all of those things available. What we're talking about is that when we make these decisions, and obviously early on in our life when we don't have the, the mental capacity to think these things through and to be more rational, we make compromises and we only become okay if we're like this. I'm okay if I'm this way. I'm not okay if I'm not that way. And what, does, what that creates is that there's a, a hidden self, a secret self. Mm-hmm. And yes. so many of us dread we're going to be found out. Oh, oh my! The, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, the, the, the uh, it's, syndrome. You're I remember. Gonna... I remember writing writing about that, and, and it wasn't original to me. But in, in the very first book I wrote back in the 1900s, is that that that's uh, what back, <laughs> back in 1989 when they first invented paper, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, we just had rocks then. It's like we was ch- we, I chiseled it. It's like it was good. <laughs> but it's that's right. But it was like yeah. That it, and, it, and it to this day, it's like uh, you and I've talked about that book. It's called Simple Truth. It's like it's it's it's. I, I'm always amazed because uh, and people people there may be a lot of people who can identify with this is I'm pretty sure when I look back at that book I didn't understand many of the things I wrote in that book um and so there's there is there is proof of some sort of higher something going on because because yeah. it still it still hold, it still holds up and one of the things that people identify with greatly and this and this kind of brings me back to a place I want to because I'd like to start by, by actually defining a little bit about what I think perfectionism is, because you talked last time uh, about how people will make mistakenly when we do this all the time. When you say they, they may have perfectionism, they, they think that you're saying that they're, they're doing things perfectly. And, and again, we're going like, no, it's about expectation. So, but, but the idea of that imposter syndrome that's that deal where like the way i described it is uh i just i originally described it in terms of inner child work where where you realize that it you you walk around feeling like everybody else in the world is an adult regardless of what your chronological age is but you're the only 12 year old in the room you know and it's like and the way i described it when i first started my when i look back at my, my beginning to see clients as a therapist is i mean you know and again this insight comes with hindsight i mean i, you know, I think it's really important for i think we, we can't make that point often enough we're we're in our world we're taught we're, we're supposed to have these insights that are going to bring about changes like you know, now you you do is, is what we talked about a few a few conversations ago. What you emphasize is starting right here gets us to the question of what's next, and what's next is what takes us forward. It's like that's what that's what's going to deliver us. In insight is is the best insight we're going to have is with hindsight. And the, the insight I had was I was I think I was living in anxiety and fear that somebody one client some client was going to stand up in the middle of a session and go aha. I see you're no therapist. You're a little Tommy Rutledge from Plainview, Texas. I recognize you, you know, and it's like, so that, that potential of just being shamed, forget about being shamed and feeling, having those shame attacks that became so familiar to me in my life and so many other people have had is I lived in fear of, I had, I lived in fear of the fear. I lived in fear of the shame. It's, 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 it was, and it's all based on perfectionism. 
It's the, and so what I want people to know is a perfectionist is just define it. Perfectionist is not someone who does things perfectly. A perfectionist is someone who believes they're supposed to do things perfectly. And we're not talking about doing, doing one thing perfectly. We're talking about the expectation is that you're, you're always supposed to be, be doing everything just right and that you're the minimal accomplishment. This is one of the reasons that people will, will opt out of even trying things. When people say, oh, I don't even try, what I say is, well, that's advanced perfectionism. Because, you know, you know, you, 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 got, a, you got a voice in there that says you're not going to come close to perfect, so don't do it. It's right. like, but it's like, you, you know, I don't, even, I don't even want to try because I'm not going to be able to be perfect. And the idea is that is paralyzing. Yes. It's like, and, and, and if you're doing it, however, if you're the person who is pursuing it, you're also never getting any, any payoff. There's no, you know, there's no, there's, there's no moment in time where you, you let's see, if, I think I have a bell here. If I can do a sound effect, you never, you never experienced that. It's like, it's like you're, so you're either, you're either downtrodden and lost and not trying anything, or you're, maybe you're accomplishing and a lot of times, Perfectionists are accomplishing great things. Uh, however, they don't give themselves credit for it, and they're exhausted. Yeah. And that's where we often meet people, and in, in, as they crawl into our offices, uh, you know, emotionally exhausted. Yeah. And look, and you and I are not saying, in, so that people don't think we're talking in absolutes, that being a perfectionist is always neurotic. Look, I want my neurosurgeon to be a perfection. I don't want him to cut away at any nerve he feels like cutting away at. I want him to be extremely Mm -hmm. thoughtful. Or what was that great movie with, uh, (coughs) excuse me, they were showing the the mathematicians behind the shot, the moon shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal film. she, She was a perfectionist. I mean, and she had to get the math right 100% right. at a time or else they were going to be in trouble. Well, and what, and what I would want us to do is, 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 is to make a separation about, about, about perfection and, and production and this other stuff. And what, what we mean when we're talking about perfectionism is, is we're, we're, we're in the business of psychology. We're in the business of helping people discover how they torture themselves. That's right. They, they already know they torture themselves. We're going to help them see how they do it and how, how we can change that. It's like, it's like, it's like perfectionism is, is not, you know, no, I, I, I want to, you know, we, you talked about mastery there's the, the wonderful book by George Leonard. I bet you're familiar with it. Uh, just called mastery. It's like, is it, it's, a, it, you know, I always recommend that book to people it's because it's a process oriented book. It's just about pursuing, pursuing mastery as, as a, a way of being. And it's like, and if you've been doing something over and over and over again for yeah. a long time, we have mastery. You know, it's like when you and I sit down with a client or when you and I sit down to do this conversation, there's, there's, you know, this isn't about ego saying, oh, we're masters of whatever. It's like, but to use that word appropriately, we have a mastery over doing this work. Right. So that we, we don't have, what it means is, is we don't have to, we don't have to overthink it. We don't have to plan in detail about it. It's like, we just, we put ourselves in and we, and we get that if, as a, you know, you and I've talked about as a magician, I used to be a magician. There are certain things I can do with sleight of hand that I have mastery over. It doesn't mean I do it perfectly. It doesn't mean I do it right every single time. What it means is, is it becomes a natural part of who I am. That's not, none of that has to do with perfectionism. Perfectionism is the part of us that's telling us we're always coming up short. Yeah. 
And that's the curse. See, that's the curse. You yes. Put your finger on the curse. Because that's what we wanted to talk about in this, in part two here. Is what, Knew we would remember what we wanted to talk about eventually. Well, this is the one thing <laughs> together. Your, your half brain and my half brain. That's the whole brain. And that, I, think, I, I think that's what this podcast was. Okay, I got it. <laughs> it was the topic for today, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, But that is the curse. You just said it so clearly, and I hope every one of you heard it. You know, what, Never good enough. Tom, can you repeat it? Well, the, the curse, the curse is no matter what, no matter, you know, the expectation, first of all, is always to do, do it right. But really the expectation is always to do it better than you just did it. It's like, it's all, you're never, the, the, it, the, it, you're a perfectionist. If you have that sense of, I can never get it. I can never do it enough. You know, I did it to once, but I've got to do it again, and i got to do it again, and i got to do it again. It's like, it's, it's, if you're a perfectionist if you're emotionally exhausted, usually. Well, it's like, because right. it, there, there's, there's, no, there's no break. There's, there's no break. No, there's no standing back and, and enjoying what you've just done. It's yeah. all, what, what have you done for me lately, right? Is yeah, it, and lately being like the last 20 seconds. It's like, sometimes it's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's like, oh yeah, but, but, or the other thing. And, and the other thing is, and you know, and those of us who've struggled with this stuff, you know, and we, and we can, and we pick things apart, you know, I mean, I know that as a writer, I, I'm pretty sure you do too. It's like, we all have our different way of doing it, but uh, you know, I've had to, part of my mastery is in writing is, is learning at what point in the process do I hand it over to somebody else to be the reader? Because I know that I will, t I can take something that is just perfectly good, effect effective, and I can, I can ruin it yes. because, because the wrong guy in my head is going to read it and he's going to, and he's going to find everything wrong with it and I'm going to change it all. And it's going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to fuck it up. It's right. like, it's, it's like, and so the idea is knowing, you know, when to let go and to say, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'll get it back at some point, but that's, that's understanding my perfectionism as a writer. And it's like, I don't have to be rid of it. I just need to understand it so that I know how to navigate it, which well, is what we do. We teach people how to navigate. Yeah. Right. Well, let, let's talk about the second curse. So you talked about the first, the second curse is, is this idea that if that because I am expecting myself to be perfect, I'm going to also expect you to do things perfectly. That's the second part of it. Whatever I do to myself, I do to you. It's the golden rule is not the golden rule. It's we don't treat other people like we'd like to be treated. We treat other people like we treat ourselves. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. Now the platinum rule is the, is the other one, but the golden rule is this one. And it, and it, and it's really, and you can tell that I'm going to put my trips, but here's the real, the curse that this second thing does. It generates this idea that the world has to be a certain way for me to be okay. Yes. That I have to be a certain way to be okay. That life has to be a certain way. And now I have all these demands. Dr. Karen Horney calls them claims. They're expectations that I put on myself, on life itself, to be a certain way for me to be okay. And now. I'm not able to cope with what is happening because I'm so busy being upset that it's not what it's supposed to be. 
And that's where we really get ourselves messed up because all the energy goes into being upset about it and objecting to what's happening instead of dealing with what's happening. Let me give you a great example of this. I'm working with a, a young man at 14 years old. It was late onset, late onset, eh, late onset type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. And when he got diagnosed with this, he was floored. He was the only child of eight siblings that ended up being diabetic. And so he's sitting there, why me? This is unfair. Why did I get this, huh? Why, why didn't any of my other siblings get this? Why am I the only one in the family to get this? Mm -hmm. And for him, up to that point, life was already unfair. Why is it that my father's an alcoholic? My buddies don't have alcoholics for fathers. So he was already feeling unfair. And then now life dumps this on him. And now he's got a double dose of unfairness, yeah. right, in yeah. his life. And he just, he just disappears into this black hole. A year later after the diagnosis, first of all, because he doesn't want to, he can't, he's having a hard time accepting it because it's unfair, right? If it's unfair, it's hard to accept something that's unfair. So his, his um, compliance with what he needs to do to manage his type 1 diabetes is what? All over the place. Sometimes he takes his blood sugar, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he watches his diet, sometimes he doesn't. I mean, it's all this. So he just makes the matters a lot worse. Then what does he start doing? Drinking on top of it, using other drugs. <laughs> There you go. Let, 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 let's try that as a solution. I understand he's trying to soothe his pain and trying to, right. to deal with it and get some emotional freedom from the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so now he becomes a, you know, a full blown alcoholic and addict, just like his father. And he goes down that rabbit hole with his type one diabetes, which makes yeah. things really crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, real crazy. Finally gets into recovery he ends up showing up in my office and we start working together. And I'll never forget this one session we had. I had him dialoguing, first of all, with the part of him that was saying it was unfair and to talk to that part of himself. And I'll tell you, when he got in that chair and he was the unfairness, oh, or how unfair this was, yeah. he was angry and articulate and are you kidding me? And he had percentages and numbers and why wow. he was powerful he was, oh was, my he was powerful God. he was confident he was assertive he yeah was <laughs> yeah i got it then i had him play him his quote healthy self to respond mm -hmm. to that and he goes over and he goes i agree with you <laughs> I mean, right. he had nothing to say right, right. I mean, so of course that that, that was going to be what dominated his consciousness this this guy that was angry about this part of himself that was angry at how unfair this was was just totally in charge right he was driving the bus so then, you know, um, well, and by the way, and, and, and unless you're telling me differently and for people listening to this until they'll, he was sitting there and got that separation experience in your office, he never knew that guy was separate from him. That's exactly right. And that, so that started the possibility. And then I had him from the unfairness side, the angry side, talk to his diabetes. Ah, nice. Instead of staying in the conversation between him and, and himself, I had him right. talk to the diabetes. So he puts the diabetes in the chair and he goes after the diabetes, just like he did when he went after his healthy self, can try to convince the diabetes that you're unfair. And it was so interesting. When he changed, the diabetes said, everything you're saying is irrelevant. 
doesn't matter if I'm fair or unfair, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Right. And now this unfairness, like, Love it. Yes. not know what to do with this. So right. he's, now he's in this dilemma, and he was ripe for some new, a new possibility. And so I turned to him and I said, could you just try something on? Could you say to your diabetes, it's unfortunate that I have you instead of it being unfair. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that I have to deal with this in my life. And let's see if that opens up some new possibilities. Mm-hmm. Well, he said that. And Tom, it was like somebody gave him the key to the kingdom of heaven. It was like, my God, if I think of this as unfortunate, it's just a bad break that I got to deal with. It's not that somehow all the things are, life is stacked against me mm-hmm. and that life is always going to suck for me because if this is unfair, it's going to keep continuing to be unfair. Right. And it just opened up a possibility in him. But before, because he had in his mind, this is how he expected him to, his life to be, that he should never have any medical problems. You know, he had all of these expectations about what life was supposed to look like. And when it didn't measure up, when it didn't conform to his expectations, he did not know how to deal with it until we discovered. All right. And see, we just, so you bring, you bring him back, you bring him back to the question that I, that I have, that I, I, a, a tribute to you anyway. It's, it's like that in terms of the emotional sobriety stuff is, is the idea that the question I'm teaching everybody to, to ask these days uh, from what I learned from you is that, that, you know, what, it, what are the, if I'm feeling in, if I'm in distress, what are the unrealistic expectations I have? Not what expectations do I have, but what are the unrealistic expectations? Because, and, and it's like what you're talking about is once when you could show him that, and I mean, show him, not just tell him, but actually that's one of the reasons we love, we love to actually have people play that out. And, and we don't know exactly which way those, those exercises or people don't know how they, they, they'll look sometimes and go, how'd you know? And go like, I didn't know, you know, I just, I just I'm just, I'm, I'm a facilitator. I'm facilitating the conversation between these guys in your, in your head. And one of the things that I know is that people don't challenge bullies. Now they they often don't do it outward outwardly. It's like, well, we don't do it inwardly either. And so one of the things that the, the, that I love about that story is that the that the bully who had never been challenged, the unfair voice, had never been challenged, is was challenged not 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 in a traditional way that we would think like how you know how about I mean your face. The diabetes challenged it with this wonderful comeback, which was this is irrelevant. What you're saying doesn't doesn't have any application here. It's like it's like and 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 the cool part about that is when our clients can see that that wait a minute, you if you actually stand up to these bullies, yeah. more more often than not, what happens is they become confused. That's right. You know, well, I'll I'll sometimes put them in the chair and have them be the bully, and then I'll start asking them. The diabetes just totally baffled yeah. the, angry, the angry, unfair guy, right? The yeah, guy it's just like, I mean, and, and they'll, de- they'll decompensate at that point. It's like, yeah, like, I, I mean, I'll do something as simple as if I get somebody should monster in the chair and they'll say, you know, you know and, I, and I'll say, I'll ask the person, can I interview your should monster? So I say, you know, you know, uh, 
so so you'd be somebody should should monster and I'll interview you. It's like okay, yeah, so okay, right, so right. so you're we're talking about you're Bob shoot shoot monster. I'm well, going, I, I should listen. I should do things perfectly all the time, and if I don't do them perfectly, I just get so upset with myself. Okay, now now to the should monster, I'm saying this. Now you need to refer to him in the second person because you're talking about you're talking about uh, the Bob over here. Okay. It's like so so you you're saying Bob should do things perfectly. Bob should do things perfectly. Bob really should. Look, Bob is is been slacking off at work. He's not getting everything filled out. His his expense reports are coming in a couple days late, and and he mm-hmm. he should be much better than he's being. Gotcha. What well, is Bob? Well, tell me some things that Bob does well. Well, Bob does a few things well, but the issue is that he doesn't do things perfectly. And, and why why does he have to do them perfectly? Well, because I say that he should. Well, okay, so, but where did you get that information? Ah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like it usually takes a couple of moves. You just keep poking around in there and go like, why is that? It's like you know what happens if not. It's like, and I love it when because the, the should monsters will always use. You will always use an always. They'll say like he's always doing this. I go like, always. You know, has there ever been an exception? You know, and it's like, then they're confused. It's like, but the most, the, but the point is, besides entertaining ourselves in therapy, is the, 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 which I do find it entertaining, but it's like, the point is, when these people can actually see, when you can see, because I remember recognizing it myself, is these guys are not all powerful. That perfectionist voice in there, and that's what that's one of the takeaways I would want somebody from dealing with the, this topic that we remembered is the curse of perfectionism, is, that voice will always present as full of authority, like you described with the unfair voice, always confident. And I don't understand why that is. And people that have self-doubt and sometimes even self, self-criticism self and self-hatred, we have these parts of us that will show up and they are full of confidence. You know, they're just, they're, out, they're downright arrogant. They're just, you know, and I don't know how that works exactly, but the truth is, it's like it's just like in the interpersonal world when you see somebody that is blustering and is all that and and believes they're always right it's like you can bet that they're not yeah you know and you know and so the idea is you know what happens is what people do is they just become they they become subjected Yep. to these guys because they beat on them and 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 harass them and insult them it's like a domestic violent relationship in a lot of ways you got that's a great way to say it that's exactly it so look at what you're saying is that once you start to challenge these things in that way and the assumptions of it yes you start to get to this point that i don't need to be perfect to be okay what i need to do is to be okay period <laughs> not put any conditions on it in all these contingencies on it that we put on it. And that's what, that is what we start to find out when we challenge these things that we realize that I don't need to be that self that I thought I needed to be, to be okay. I need to be who I am to be okay. Right. And that when we pull the curtain back, is that we, we, it's not like the Wizard of Oz that we're discovering this puny guy controlling this mm-hmm. big thing, mm-hmm. which in a way it is like the Wizard of Oz, is we're just discovering that our humanity. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that there's so many similarities amongst between us rather than differences. Right, we see, you, when you pull the curtain back, when you see the, the, the wizard, you see vulnerability. 
that's it's it. Like, there I mean, it. The, the whole idea, the whole idea of that image is, it's like you know, of, of that big, you know, that that big head up there. You know, I am the great and powerful. Oh, it's, it's, great it's, and wonderful. Uh, it, well, it's exactly it's perfect metaphor for this because it's everything's about about people not questioning. Yeah, you know, and, and what is it? You know, and, and you know, it takes a dog, you know, to do it because you know, do dogs. In that way, I, I, you know, I mean, we can get into the symbolism of it, but I love dogs anyway. But I think just the idea of of the the the, the, the simplicity of of that. It's just like, well, yeah, wait, what's what's this over here behind the curtain? It's like, oh, it's a guy, you know, and it's like. And yeah, let it, me smell it. <laughs> let me smell it. Yeah, let me. Let me and the, uh, it would be good though in that scene if, if if Toto would have like peed on his leg. That would have been good. <laughs> I, I wish wish we could go back in time. I would do that with that scene. But but it's 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 like. But going back to what you said is so you so you get we get to the place where you say I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be okay as me. Which of course takes us brings us to the favorite part of therapy which is which is that ex as corny as it is that existential part of that which is oh great now i gotta figure out who the hell that is yeah and then we go and you and i smile and go yes that's what we're going to do. That's what this work is about. And here's what we know that you may not know if you're listening. It's like if you have never been down this road, it's like you're going to find, you're going to discover some really cool things. This is scary. It is scary. But it's like, well, look, it is wonderful. This is one of the reasons why when Don Miguel Ruiz wrote mm -hmm. Four Agreements, his mm -hmm. last agreement was always do your best. best. And your best wasn't, he didn't say always strive to be perfect. He mm -hmm. said, your best. Sometimes your best is not doing much at all. Right. And that's okay. It's just always do your best. If that's yeah. your best that day, that's your best. If you can, if your best is getting out of the bed and getting to the couch and, and having a cup yes. of coffee, that's your best that day. Right. Right. And that's, a, and that's enough. And that's what, and I love that part of this book. I mean, I love everything in that book. It's a great book, but always do your best. Yes. And that's, that is the antidote to cure. Well, and yes. And, and one of the things about recovering from perfectionism and it, you know, and to me, it falls in the category of some of, you know, um, long ago addiction has stopped being a, a, a diagnosis for me as much, it's much more of a modern addiction recovery as a model of, of just recovery for us, us as human beings. Yeah. It's like, it's in, and as far as I can tell from all the, all the Buddhists who ask me if I'm Buddhist, it's, it's rather Buddhist in nature in the sense that we're talking about, you know, our, our relationships and our attachments to, to things that are both good for us and bad for us and all things in, in between. But, the, but the idea is, Recovery from perfectionism is is um, it's a challenge for me to do this without drawing on the board because I usually draw this on the board. I'm going to do, try to draw it with words. Is is that that we understand that that the only mathematical thing I understand is that that the the difference between the line of expectation, the place where I hold my expectation, and where my level of competence is at any given time, the difference between those two is my level of pain or discomfort. Okay. And so the idea is, and when my competence is lower, now, by, by the way, we all have a, basically, we all have an upper and lower limit to our, you know, I always tell people, as a therapist, it's like, I may be better some days than others, but I can only get so bad. You know, it's like, it's, you, that's the good news for you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be that bad. It's like, but what we teach people is rather than 
when, when your pain is increased because the expectation is so much higher than the competence, but what happens is that takes energy and you get depleted. We teach people to bring the, bring the line of expectation down. Don't bring the competence up, bring the expectation down. And that frees us. That bring, that's, and that's just called self-acceptance. Yep. It's not even self-love. It's just acceptance. And that frees energy over a period, usually a relatively short period of time, to free energy so that your competence will actually go up. And it's like, and the, the, like you said, the antidote or the recovery from perfectionism is understanding on a day-to-day basis that my competence level at everything, whether it be doing this, doing this podcast with you, being a therapist, uh, taking care of my dog, being a husband, whatever it happens to be, the competence level is going to vary according to more variables than I could possibly count. And I need to respect that. I don't, need to, I don't need to keep up with all of that information. I just need to understand some days are better than others. And that's the, way, that's the nature of my life. And so if, I, if we can do that, and that's a lot to ask a perfectionist to accept. You know, you, know you, you know that look that you get when you're explaining that to somebody and they're looking at you with deer in the headlights of like, yes. what? You want me to accept who I am, how I am right now? And it's like, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and and of course, you know, and I, and I try not to look sadistic because because um, because I'm not. But the, the truth is, I'm happy at that point because I'm going. You're going to love it. You're going to love self acceptance. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it just takes some time to get there. Because because when you start, and this is really an important piece, if you recovering from any of these these negative these culprits in your head, these saboteurs, this perfectionism. You know, when you come out of a therapy session talking about that or you turn this podcast off, then that perfectionist is going to feel threatened and he is going to start working on you and he's going to start trying to get you you, any ground that we may have actually covered with you today in this in this podcast. He's going to try to get it back. It's like just know he's coming for you. Understand that if he is, if, if, if your perfectionist is upset with you, it means you're doing something right. Right. It means you're challenging him. And that's what we're asking you to do. That's so right on, Tom. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and the other thing I would just say to you is that when you start to own these things and say them out loud, like I expect myself to do everything perfect. I mean, say it and listen to that and see what it, what it feels like when you say it. Yeah. Because your body's going to tell you, like Tom was saying, yeah. listen yeah. to all of you. Listen to what deep down inside you feel when you say that. You're going to know if that's either toxic in your life or that's nourishing. You're going to know if that diminishes you or enhances you because your body will tell you it will feel like green light or red light inside. I mean, and trust me, that stuff is going to create a lot of red lights. And that's what we say, that, that there's a paradoxical theory of change. As soon as your own, I expect myself to do something perfectly, you start to then have the possibility of not doing it. We know that to be true, but you've got to own it. You got to name it before you tame it. Right. And it starts with, with the word you use there is so important. It starts simply with possibility. That's right. Just possibility. And it's like, there's a, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up again, something, a term we've used in the past is, is something that my wife, Dee Dee Beasley has uh, as a therapist also uh, who's, who, taught me this is she calls it positive guilt 
And, and it's like, it's, and she says, because people will start to change. They'll start to do the things we're talking about and they'll kick back and they'll, and they'll, they'll push back against these bullies in our head, their heads. And then they'll, they'll feel horribly guilty. And, 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 and what our tendency is, is to, to try with an intent to reassure, oh, don't, you don't have to feel guilty. It's like, well, that's not going to be helpful. That's you know, it's not helpful to ever tell somebody they don't need to feel something because it's already too late. They're already feeling it. What Dee Dee would say is the definition of positive guilt is guilt. Positive guilt is guilt you feel when you're breaking rules that need to be broken, and it's like you, and when you're breaking the rules of your perfectionist, yeah. they need to be broken. It's people feel that around the holidays when they go home, you know, when they've been in therapy for a while and they go home and see their, their folks and, 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 they, and they, they don't feel like doing everything just the way that the family has always done them. You know, it's like, well, what's happening? Well, you're violating the policy manual, the invisible policy manual of your family. So you're feeling a little guilty because you're taking care of yourself, you know. But in this case, you're taking care of yourself because you're not automatically buying into the perfectionist you're understanding your term again and i want people to understand this is where we practice not being perfect in this it, it just starts with being aware of the, op the, the other options possibility right and listen one final thought before we wrap this up i mean i love what was said um, in the thursday night emotional sobriety meeting he talked about sober enough and how he said that when he first came into program, his perfectionism said, man, sobriety had to look like this. And it had all the rules on it and all these shoulds on it and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. And it killed him to try to stay sober like that. And then he got it one day where his this idea that he was never going to be good enough. He started to think about the other side of that. And what if I just started to strive for having being sober enough? instead of putting in that let good enough be good enough and then, yep. and what he said is it opened things up that it it created this range this room for his recovery that gave him so much more peace of mind and yeah. so i hope you you can hear everything that tom and i are saying today is to help you create a lot more room for yourself in your life yes. Yes. A lot more room for your mistakes, for your for your victories, for your defeats, and to not let any of these things define you. Just let them be a part of your experience that you can learn from, because there's always something you can learn from. See, that's that's where I was going to go too, Alan. The idea is is if you need because we do need something to, to to put in there to hold on to, and that's that's the thing. If I'm not going to if you know if I'm not going to focus on my left hand, then I need to focus on my right hand or my left knee or something. It's like in this particular case, though, the focus on is learning. It's like what you know. This is one of my favorite hypothetical questions. What if what if our success in life is determined by what we learn about ourselves? And how we apply that learning. It's like, it, it changes everything. You know, because th then when, when I fuck something up royally, when I, when I use that as a lesson and learn something, I have, I, have, I, have, I have basically created a success. And, and, and I might, this is my, the story of my life. I would not have learned anything, I don't think, without fucking up royally. That's right. And it's like, you know, there are other ways to learn and I have done that too, but it's but it's like if you are if you are fucking things up, please know that you are really ripe for learning. That's right. And you and that's where shutting down that bully that tells you you have to be perfect. Yes. Is so important because you will not learn 
if you're beating yourself up over a mistake. Mm -hmm. You learn when you just sit and figure out what happened here. Yeah. What could I have done different? What does this tell me about me? What does this tell me about the situation I'm in? Right. Where do I need to grow myself? Right. And so that's the big, the big, big lesson we want you to take from this. Yes. When the milk gets spilled, don't blame yourself mm -hmm. or someone else for it. Figure out what you need to do to clean it up. And know whoever is yelling at you about the milk is not you. That's right. That's right. That's not you. That's the bully. That's the bully. All right. Another good show, Tom. Absolutely. Love it, man. Love so, doing it. Um, that's the end of part two. You got any inspiration for next time? Uh, no, I have. I, I feel do. none. Whatsoever. I do. I think that we can talk about how, how to have. Why am I not surprised? A healthier relationship <laughs> with ourselves. How can we have a healthier relationship with ourselves? What does it look like to truly support ourselves? Yeah. What is that? What is that? No, I love that. What is, what is a healthy relationship with yourself? We're talking about health for a while now. We've talked about the problem for a while. Now let's start to focus. Solution. I love it. Solution, solution. Let's do it. So how to have a healthier relationship with ourselves and others is going to be the topic of the next several podcasts. I love that. And, and I can honestly say that uh, I am grateful to say that I have a much healthier relationship with myself than I had for years and years and years. And it's like, it's not perfect. Uh, it comes and goes, but it's like there is, there, there is so much pleasure in life. When, when you can feel, we'll use the word, some mastery over having a decent relationship with yourself. That's so true. I tell everybody I'm a lot smarter now that I realize how stupid I am. <laughs> but do, you point, do you point out that I'm the one who told you how stupid you are? You are. I can leave that podcast, but actually it was Tom. Um, yeah, five-year resentment that I had to work through. <laughs> no, right, right, exactly. All right, you guys, you learn. You can learn more about my work at www.abphd.com. Um, I have books for sale, audio CDs, and and all kinds of goodies. Uh, there's also a lot of free stuff on on underneath uh, resources. I open source a lot of handouts and flyers and articles and stuff like that. So go in there and enjoy. You can hear Tom and I if you want to be on this podcast and please, you know, subscribe and encourage others to also go and watch some of our videos on Vimeo. They're very, very good. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you get to see uh, us live and in person on video. <laughs> get to, get to, get to, I was going to say get to watch us grow our COVID hair, but it's just one of us growing our COVID hair. It's like, it's doing that. But, but my, my, my website is uh, tomrutledge.com and lots of freebies there too. Books, uh, lots of, lots of good stuff. We love to hear from you people. It's like uh, you can email us through our websites. And if you have thoughts or suggestions, uh, as a matter of fact, I talked to a client earlier this week that has some suggestions that will actually fit into, uh, had, had some questions and suggested it'll fit into the, the wellness idea. All right, Tom, have a great week. All right, peace. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. The solutions, being wrong, friend. Never say never. Look in the mirror, the trust the reflection Deep in your heart, start right here That's where it starts, right here Won't you 
look to 